Well, hey everyone, uh, Merry Post-Christmas. I hope you guys had a great week celebrating. I hope you were able to get some good time with family. I hope uh, you were able to kind of connect with some friends, whether it was in person or, you know, over a video conference or something like that. But I, I just hope that this week was wonderful. As you celebrated Christ, as you remembered what happened, as Jesus was brought here to this earth to bring hope and peace to all of us that would trust in God, I hope that this season has been a, a hopeful one for you and a healthy one as we continue to set our eyes on who Jesus is. Uh, it's going to be good to spend this time with you this weekend. I'm always on a little bit of a, a little bit of a cookie hangover, it seems, right after Christmas. And I hope as you guys settle in at home or wherever you happen to be watching or listening right now, that you're ready not only to kind of focus in and see uh, what God wants to do in our hearts, but uh, maybe to begin dreaming and praying about even what this next year might look like. I know so many of us, as we've gotten through this year, we kind of just want it to be over. And it's almost fun uh, in, a, in a cruel way as I have some conversations with folks. And there's just this hope, right, that at the end of the year, at like a midnight on December 31st, that everything is going to kind of like snap and click and, and everything's going to be different. And of course, we all know that it won't happen that fast. But I think many of us do have a hope for a different, a better, a more vibrant, a more impactful year as we look ahead. And so as we kind of settle in and relax and focus on what Christ has for us, I, wanna, I do want to encourage you and challenge you to start dreaming, praying about what God has for you looking ahead. We're going to be wrapping up this series that we've been in the whole Christmas season, uh, this whole idea of with. And so really examining that Emmanuel, or one of the names of Jesus, means to have God with us. And it's been great exploring that as that means that he comes to us to offer peace, to offer the joy and the hope that we covered throughout this entire series. And so if you missed any of those, I want to encourage you to go back, check those out, listen to the podcast or check out one of the videos online. Uh, and of course, like just settle in and see how Jesus brings those things to bear at their fullness. And that's what Christmas is all about. Well, today we're going to take a look at all the different ways that Jesus starts to encourage us moving forward. See, Jesus kind of steps into this idea on earth, uh, it, it really exuding this idea of being with us, with Emmanuel. And then he lives this life, right? He, he lives his life on earth. It's everything that we know about him. The gospels record his actions, his relationships, his words, all the things that he has done. And as we journey through his life, we see then that he gives up his life on the cross to pay for our sins, to offer that forgiveness, to cover all of our brokenness, all of our mistakes. And then three days later, he, he raises again, right? He comes back to life. He resurrects and then he has that life for us. And he comes back and then has all of these conversations again with his disciples and, and his followers. And he's helping them understand what does this mean that Jesus has now come back and he's risen from the dead? What does that mean that he's alive? And so they start interacting and he teaches them a few more things before he ascends into heaven. And he gives us this promise again where we see it closes up almost like this perfect end cap where he promises that he's going to be with us forever. And so we're going to take a look at that. But I think 
that this whole concept just has some wonderful uh, meaning for us. And I want to kind of break down this idea of God with us into two key things, into two key factors. So first of all, uh, God, if, if he is with us, if he is Emmanuel, right, that means that he is with us, right? That means as we walk through our lives, as we go about our daily tasks and routines and engage the people in our lives, that he is with us. And if we've given our lives to him, if we've received his salvation, there's a special relationship where he indwells us and leads us for those things. He is with us. It is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And of course, the reverse is true as well, where we are with him. And we start to wonder and realize and start to learn what it means that our lives are now connected to God right? That our lives are now put in place with Jesus himself, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit. And that as we go about our lives, that we're connected to him. I realize that this is kind of simple, right? We're kind of looking at, yeah, God with us. That means these things. But I think that this kind of means a lot when we slow down and start to look at the implications of what it means for us to actually understand that we are with him, that he is with us and our lives are united and joined together with him. Again, we have the whole life, death, resurrection of Jesus. He's there teaching them and helping them understand as he's about to ascend into heaven. And then he leaves us with this wonderful passage. For many of us, if we've been in the faith for a while, this is a familiar passage, but it's going to be in Matthew 28. And it starts here with this. When the disciples saw him, when Jesus met him there on the mountain, they worshiped him, right? They've now seen this whole thing play out. They've seen who Jesus is, why he's come, what he's taught, how he lived. And now they're realizing there is a power and a life to this God man that they maybe fully didn't understand before. And they are worshiping him. They're not just fond of him. They are worshiping him. Now, I think this part, this is subtle as well, but it's important. It says, but some doubted. Now, we can read this lots of different ways. Maybe a few of the disciples are like, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know if all of this means all that I think it might mean. I, I definitely think that it at least means that they're just unsure. They're just unsure how Jesus's life is actually going to be altered, how Jesus's life is going to lead them down a different pathway, how Jesus's life is going to mean something very special for all of them. So what I love about this is how Jesus then continues this. And he says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is so awesome because Jesus is reminding them of who he is. And when they start thinking about, okay, right, he is with me. Who is this he? Who is God? And he's reminding them that all authority has been given to him all the things that they're worried about, all of the life circumstances that they just don't understand, all of the different nuances. Of, they don't know how this is going to play out. Historically speaking, they're still under oppression and they're trying to figure out their daily life and they don't have all their needs met and they're trying to navigate all this. And yet Jesus reminds them, hey, all authority on heaven and on earth, all of it has been given to me. Nothing is outside of my purview. Nothing is outside of my control. One of my favorite little nuggets of facts about the Bible is that about 365 times we're reminded throughout all of the scriptures to not be afraid. 
And so much of that, that encouragement, that reminder is this idea that God has it. Yes, sometimes life gets hard. And yes, even sometimes life is tragic, but he's there to walk through it with us. He is there with us. This authority that he has, this, this air that he carries around, it's to understand that he is all-knowing, he is all-good, he has all things. And if we love him, right, he's working together all those things together for good. So he's reminding us of that. Then he continues in this passage and he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You see, now we start to transition, I think, into this idea that we are with him right? And so if we are going to now be, our lives are going to be united with his, what does that mean for us? How does our life begin to play out differently? How do the things that we want to do on a regular basis, how does that adjust? If we're with him, that means that there's going to be some type of implication. And Jesus is showing us that it's a call. It's a high purpose. It's a, it's a meaning to our lives that he wants to actually use us to entrust his message and his goodness and his life to us as we then help others discover it. He sends us out in confidence and we know who we're with. When God says, when Jesus reminds us to go and make disciples, this isn't something that's like, okay, good luck. I hope you do well. He says, no, go and make disciples, but let's go do this together. I'd love how this plays out. And that's the exact promise that he wraps up this passage with as he tells them this big lofty task to go and make disciples of all nations. He then says, but surely, not maybe, not possibly, but surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I, I love that promise. I love that God is willing to show up and show us that he is there to be with us, that this isn't something where he's sitting on a high and lofty throne and just hoping it all works out. But instead, he's coming to join his life with ours and walk us through the very things that he calls us to. Now, some of us, we might think that this is like the best thing ever. Some of us, like as we start to read, this is called the Great Commission. As, as we start to read passages like this, we get excited we get so pumped that God would want to use us, that we can serve and make an impact in people's lives, whether it be our family, our neighborhood, people around the world. God wants to use you and I to make a difference in this world. That gets exciting. That we could point people to Jesus. We're so on fire for that. Others of us, though, we're, we're not even sure what I'm really getting at. You're, you're newer to the faith. You're trying to figure this out. You've never really thought of yourself as someone that would make disciples before. And you're trying to figure out, what does that even mean? I've never baptized anybody before. I'm not even sure I know how to explain the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What do you mean I'm supposed to go make disciples? How does that actually play out? And then there are some of us, we're just discouraged. You feel like life has beaten you up and so many things have come your way and you're feeling stress and anxiety at a level that you're not sure you can fully bear. And then you read a passage like this and you're like, God, on top of everything that is coming my way, you want me to do something else? I don't know that I have it in me. 
You know, as I was thinking about these different reactions, as I was thinking about the ways in which we might respond to a passage like this, it, it actually reminded me of when I, uh, I blew out my knee playing college football. And so I, I, I played a little bit at a, a D3 school, and I had like the game of my life, right? I, I, I was... I was an offensive lineman, shocker, but I, I had this wonderful, it was such a fun game, right? Just putting people on the ground, all the fun things that you get to do as an offensive lineman was so great. <sighs> I miss it. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it was so good, and as I'm, as I'm getting into the next practice, right, I'm starting to think a little bit highly of myself. I'm like, maybe I figured some of this stuff out, and it was that very next practice that I blew out my knee. I tore my ACL. It's a complete tear. Nothing left there. Right? It's, my knee is done. I'm out for the season, out for the year. It was absolutely devastating. Not only did it, of course, hurt, but I had such high hopes right, for what that season was going to be, what my, what my football career was going to get launched into. I thought that was going to be fantastic. Well, you know, that same hope kind of carried me forward. And I remember they gave me the crutches, and I had to wait for about a month to get the surgery. And I'm just trucking it across campus, you know, on my crutches. And it's icy out, and it's snowy out, and I'm mastering that, right? I got, I got this down, right, on my crutches. And I'm just like, I'm going to get back. I'm going to continue to play football. I'm going to master this thing. My injury will not hold me back. It's going to be absolutely fine. And then my surgery came. It was just a couple days before Thanksgiving that year. And I remember like, no big deal. I'll have this surgery. I'll enjoy Thanksgiving with my family. And then I'll get back at this and I'm going to get my knee back to 100%. I can't wait. Well, I remember waking up from that surgery and it was awful. It was absolutely awful. Like, a couple hours went by as the nerve block started to wear off. I mean, my knee started to hurt. Honestly, it was the worst pain I've experienced in my entire life. It hurt way more than the actual injury did. There was something about uh, those initial hours and days where my knee just ached. It was awful. And so I'm trying to figure this out, and I talk to the doctor about it, and I'm explaining the pain. I'm explaining what's going on. It's starting to hurt from the top of my knee all the way down to my ankle. I'm like, Doc, what's going on? And I remember thinking this was so odd. He just gives me this look, and it was kind of like a, well, that's weird. And really never explained it past that. I'm like, thanks a lot. Like, what's going on? And I guess he just had some trust. It was eventually going to work itself out. Not sure how I feel about that looking back, but... He, he looked at me and he's like, well, good luck, basically, is what he told me. And I had to fight through that week. And he, he did tell me I could take it easy for a few days and let it heal up a little bit more. But I got to tell you that as I sat there, my parents took good care of me. But as I finally got ready to go to my first physical therapy appointment, I started to dread it. I didn't want anything to do with it. I, I felt like I was stuck in this painful reality, right? And all of a sudden, they want to go mess with my knee and move my knee back and forth and try to mess with... The, the scar tissue had built up over that week. I could barely budge. It was awful, right? It was absolutely terrible. And I got to the point to where I'm like, I don't want to continue on. I'm like, maybe I'm going to quit football. Maybe I don't want to do any of this anymore. Maybe I'll just be on crutches the rest of my life. Like the pain and the process, I didn't want anything to do with at the time. But of course, I had to, right? I got my parents telling me, of course, you got to go, Joe. Uh, I got the coach, you know, asking me how things are going. I'm starting to go to PT. And I'll be honest, I hated it. 
I hated every bit of how this PT was playing out. I remember thinking the exercises that I had to do were just so dumb, right? I mean, honestly, that's what I thought. Like, they would have me come in, I remember, and it was a carpeted floor, and they'd sit me down on a wheeled office chair, and I just had to, like, drag myself across the floor sitting on the wheeled chair. And I'm like, why am I doing this, right? And it was more and more exercises like that. My knees still ached and throbbed and all these different things, and I, I just couldn't bear it. And I do remember eventually, eventually, in what seemed like forever, that my knees started to have the strength that I once remembered, that I could put the weight on it, that I could do the things that I wanted to do, I could start to move a little bit again, and the hope of maybe playing ball again one day started to look more and more clear. And I'll be honest, it actually took years before my calves caught up, right? Like they didn't match for years because of just the atrophy and the way in which my leg needed to rebound. Now, when I think about this time in my life, I think sometimes the Great Commission that Jesus walks us through looks a lot like that. I think sometimes that we can look at what Jesus is calling us to, and we're riding some version of phases like my knee rehab, but in life, where sometimes we're ready to go and we're trucking it across campus, we're ready to do whatever he asks, And other times we're feeling down and out and in so much pain I can't move and we don't understand what's going on. And other times it's like, where could I possibly be? And I think that that's how we feel because as we look at the Great Commission, a lot of us, we we see a, a, um, a challenge like this and we're like, I don't even understand what you're asking. I'm a rookie in all this, Joe. I, I, I just decided to check out Christmas for the very first time. What do you mean now God wants me to go make disciples? What does that even mean? Some of us, we're just trying to learn our way through this, and we feel like we don't understand enough. And Jesus, he's saying, no, 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 go make disciples, and we'll talk about what that looks like. Some of us, we're pro bowlers, right? You're like, if you're in, I'm in. I'm going to go do this. I want to go make disciples. I want to be a part of this great commission. I want to go make a difference in people's lives. I want to introduce them to the hope of Jesus. I'm a pro bowler. If you're in, I'm in. Let's do this. And then some of us, we're on the injured reserve list. Our response to something like this, it's not that we don't know what to do so much, and it's definitely not that we're ready to engage, but it's, I don't even know if I can go. Joe, even if I mustered up the energy during this message right now, I'm not even sure I could go do this. And Jesus interacts with all three of these. And here's, here's, here's the beauty of it, because no matter where you're at in this, Jesus' promise is this, surely I am with you to the very end. Jesus' promise when he calls us to something new, when he calls us to something great, isn't so much where he's pushing us out there and saying, good luck. He's not looking at you as a rookie and saying, you know what, I know you don't know anything, but you know what, I want you to get out there and I, and I want you to get the rejection. I want you to get the ridicule. I want you to look like a fool. Jesus isn't saying that. He's like, of course I know you're a rookie. I'm the one that called you to this faith. I'm the one that's doing that new life in you. I understand where you're at. He's looking at a pro bowler and saying, excellent. Thank you for being willing. Let's go. Let's get ready. And of course, he's even looking at you if you feel like you're on the injured reserve list. He's saying, I get it. I understand how hard this season has been, whether it's because of unique things to 2020 or maybe just unique things to your life. 
Jesus understands and his compassion is there. He knows what you're going through. And yet he calls all three of those categories to go and make disciples. But with the promise that he's with us. You see, what's amazing about how Jesus works in these moments, what's amazing about Jesus's promise here is none of this, none of this is dependent upon us. We're not supposed to be the pros. We're not supposed to have our act together. We're not supposed to be perfect. He's saying, I want you to be faithful and helping people understand what I'm doing in your life. You see, when we find ourselves in moments where we're looking ahead and we're trying to figure out what 2021 is going to look like and what our lives are going to look like as a part of it, I think this passage kind of just knocks it out for us. Says, here's how you can respond. Whether you're feeling like a rookie, a pro bowler, or you're on the injured reserve, here's what we want to do. Jesus calls us to worship him, right? Just the disciples joined him on the mountain and their response was to worship even when they weren't for sure how this was gonna play out, even when they might not fully understand and they had their doubts, their response was to say, God, but I trust you. I wanna follow you. I understand that you, who you are, I'm in. I wanna figure it out with you. We rest then and we trust in God's authority. We realize that he's not surprised by all the different things that are going on. He's not surprised by how the relationships are panning out in our lives. He's not surprised by the tragedy that strikes or the, or the successes that we get to participate in. He's not surprised by that. And he's calling us uniquely to say, rest in me, trust in me. I want to show you how to redeem these moments. He's the God of redemption. And then we engage and we share in his teachings and we learn more and more about who he is and why he is and what it means to follow him and what it means to have life in him. And as we discover these new things, we not only grow closer to him and our with grows stronger and stronger, but then we can share these little things with the folks in our lives, whether it's praying for someone at the grocery store or whether it's helping your best friend understand the hope that you're finding in Christ. That as we learn more and more and we understand what he's asking us to do, our lives become more equipped and ready to answer the call of Christ. We have an opportunity to share this life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus, regardless of where we're at, simply because he is with us. This is what's fantastic about this promise, that as we look ahead, he is right beside us. He's leading the charge. He's doing the work in the minds and the hearts of the people around us. And I want to encourage you as you look ahead at this next year, as you start to think about goals and you start to think about maybe different ways in which you'd like to interact with people in your life, Maybe you'd like to start changing some things. Maybe some of the things that you picked up or put away in 2020, you want to re-engage or finally solve that habit. And I want to challenge you that maybe it's not so much about goals as much as it is about alignment. It's not so much about what we want to achieve and what we want to do, but it's how we can attach ourselves to Christ. I know I'm thinking all the time about my rhythms of life and how school's working and how my workload is and all these different things and how that plays together. 
But I feel God challenging me to say, how can I redeem your rhythms? How can I enter into those arenas and begin showing you these promises so that your life can begin to point others toward Christ? I started, one of the things I'm asking myself is, what if my goals were less about improvement and they were more about impact? That instead of saying, what can I do this year? I started asking, Lord, what do you want to do in me and through me this year? As I mentioned at the beginning of our message today, we've seen lots of great things happen in people's lives throughout this year, even through the midst of some crazy times, personal, societal, cultural. And almost every time one of those great things happened, they were spiritual. They were because people were attaching their lives with Christ and seeing him come alive in their life like never before, being willing to be used by him to make an impact in others' lives, to make disciples, as Christ calls us to do. I want to encourage you that as we kind of finish up this Christmas season, that we don't put this concept of with away like we're going to do with our Christmas decorations, but instead that we realize that Christmas is meant to be a spark Christmas and spending time with God is meant to be a reminder, something that presses us forward to endeavor into all of the wonder of who he is, the splendor of all that he brings to bear in life, the peace, the hope, the joy, the love, and then allowing us to enter in and share that with him as we go and help other people experience the hope that is within us. As Jesus continues to unite his life with us, and as we continue to diligently unite our lives with him, I pray that your life will make a great impact, whether it's today or certainly throughout the rest of this year, that Jesus, as he walks alongside us, would make awesome changes in people's lives because of who he is and what he's doing in us. Let's go and do this together. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for what Christmas means. We're not alone. We're not trying to navigate life and figure out the perfect tally in the score sheet, but instead, it's a reminder, it's an encouragement, it's an introduction to the fact that you're with us. And that as you ascended into heaven, as you, as you brought our lives to you and helped us understand who you were, you promised you would be with us forever. And as you encourage us, to connect with you, and to share that hope with others, I pray that that's when we would feel your presence more strongly than ever, that you would change us from the inside out, that you'd renew our minds, heal our hearts, and help us spread the hope that sparks at Christmas but lasts in eternity with everyone around us. Help us, Jesus, as we navigate this. We need you, and that's why you promised to be with us. It's your name, Jesus, we confidently pray. Amen.